1: ny or text hope ny in new york
0: to see the hang-ups we have today Ooh. we need to
1: Into episode 218 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the GrowingCast, our podcast network. The Sources Say Podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. It's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson, look forward to seeing you soon. i I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country for a breaking news edition of the Source Say Podcast. DJ Wagner, Sean, is a Kentucky Wildcat, as expected, something that we have been anticipating for quite some time. He puts pen to paper officially and rounds out Kentucky's superclass in, in 2023, becomes Kentucky's fifth signee. In the 2023 class, joining Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, and Reed Shepard. John Calipari got his guy, Sean.
2: He did. It's uh it's a recruitment that for Kentucky fans at a couple of different points probably provided some uh high high episodes of anxiety, <laughs> but probably not for John Calipari. Because I think in the end, I don't know if Kentucky and John Calipari ever really wavered when it came down to it, but it's it Kentucky beats Louisville again. Can John Calipari beats Kenny Payne, and Kentucky gets a talent that is a th- it's a it's a three generational NBA potential talent family. I mean, you're talking Milt, Dewan, DJ. It's a big it's a basketball royalty there.
1: It, this was the one that we said, Sean, from the very beginning that this is one that that Cal just wouldn't lose. We this is one that that when push came to shove, Cal understood the meaning behind this recruitment, and it has nothing to do with the player. We'll get into the the player analysis here in a second, what what he does best, what he struggles with, uh, those type of things. But from a, a visual standpoint, from a PR perspective, this was a recruitment that John Calipari simply had to win. This was one that I think he understood the magnitude behind it from the beginning, and that's why there was such confidence—you know—internal confidence on Kentucky's side Uh, from start to finish. No matter you know how much the buzz about Louisville and Kenny Payne and the hiring of Milt Wagner and all that, I I think that's why through all of it they just understood that Cal was going to get it done. This was this this recruitment was made for John Calipari. This is the one that he has has had circled on his. Uh, you know, recruiting big boards since the minute he emerged as a high shoot, since he came out of the womb, he was made to be a Kentucky basketball player. He was designed to play for John Calipari at Kentucky. And I think Cal knew that and, and, and for him to close the way he did and continue to chip away, didn't, you know, didn't get desperate whenever the, the Milt Wagner hire happened. He didn't get desperate when Kenny Payne went to Louisville, none of that. He held, Held the fort. He, you know, held strong, held firm with what he knew about DJ, what uh, he knew about himself as a recruiter. And he got the job done. And this was Cal at his best. This this was this is why Cal is known as the best recruiter in college basketball.
2: It is. And this is a full circle thing for John Calipari, right? When you're talking about DeWan at Memphis and now DJ at Kentucky, and, and it just it was set up for this to happen. Any other outcome would have probably shocked us all, and it. And honestly, there was points where we probably thought if if DJ isn't a cat, then it means probably the end of John Calipari at Kentucky because that might have been the way it was trending. Fair, yeah. And and I think that is fair because then it would have been like okay, the guy that's been the guy couldn't get his guy of a guy that he had at one point. So no, it it worked out. It worked out the way it was supposed to, and and Kentucky's getting a, a great talent and a. Big-time PR boost with DJ in a Kentucky basketball jersey with talented pieces that Kentucky's already got signed and inked to this class that, I mean, this is a class that you've got to like. you you got to love where Kentucky basketball's at right now. We, we hit a crossroads there after the loss to St. Peter's, and we had a ton of criticism for John Calipari. Absolutely. And the program. But as the summer went along, we started saying, okay, there's some things going differently. There's some changes being made. And now those changes are showing up on paper in a recruiting class that's number one in the country. And, I mean, first time, what, since 2020? I don't think they had the number one class the last few years. I know, Mm -hmm. especially with 247 Sports. But this is a loaded class with a lot of dudes that can do a lot of different things, and DJ fits it well. Consensus
1: top three player in the the country. Let's dive into what he does well. Uh, Very, very quick. He's a a kind of a, um, you know, slithery type of talent where lateral quickness is there for him he's uh, I- incredible at cutting you know through defender slicing down the lane and finishing very with with craft and and precision down low he's uh, there's a lot to like just in terms of a polished fundamental standpoint he's just a very I mean Look, when you have a a family like him, I mean, look like what we talked about with Reed Shepard. He's very fundamentally sound high basketball IQ. Those things happen when you are born into a basketball family. And that's exactly what DJ is with his dad playing in the NBA, being a top five draft pick. Milt Wagner playing in the NBA, being a college you know, star at at his level at, at, at Louisville. When you have that type of basketball, you know, those genes, first of all, but that type of basketball mindset around you, uh, that guy was born to be a high basketball IQ fundamentally sound player. And that's exactly what he brings to the table. He's quick, he's electric, very flashy. Uh, and, and and what I like most about him is just his ability to finish at the basket. Um, you know, and he's, he's, Built a lot of strength here recently. His junior year, that was kind of something that he really struggled with. Could not finish through contact. Now he's adding the physicality uh, on top of the kind of craft and, and touch around the basket, which I, I think that's that, that's going to be ready-made for the college game.
2: Well, and there's there's a lot for me to really, I think, unpack when it comes to their scouting, uh, scouting report when I turn on tape and, and I see him, and you mentioned the fundamentals of him, he's a very fundamental player. But then again, there's a side of him that he doesn't get too fundamental. If that makes sense, that's true. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there's not a for a guy that handles the ball as well as he does. He doesn't over dribble mm-hmm. a ton. I think he's very effective off the bounce. He's really good in pick and roll. I think he's also going to be a guy that can slide off the ball, make good reads, and run some of that floppy action that Kentucky runs off those baseline runners, curling off screens, getting getting downhill, finishing in traffic. A, a good mid range game, a good floater. Can make passes, one-handed passes, left hand, one-hand passes, right hand. Can set up and make plays for other guys. Like this is a guy that I think can plug in and play a lot of different roles and wear a lot of different hats for Kentucky a year from now.
1: The, the things that we like a lot about Case and Wallace, just in terms of you know playing multiple positions, and you know he can play on and off ball. Uh, you know the value that he brings in that I think DJ has a lot of that. He's not the the same high level defender that case is um but you know he's 6 three, ish 175 pounds so you know he's he's building muscle um his jump shot is uh, a little inconsistent for my liking a little streaky at times um uh, you know a little hitchiness to to his jumper but i think he's smoothed that out a little bit uh here over the last you know the spring and summer um you know there's there is i think Sean, and this is a a criticism and and I guess just a a take that even the Kentucky, you know, the the Kentucky side of things and the staff, you know, you have a tendency of overanalyzing kids because they play so many games in so many different settings. And, you know, they're 16, 17 year old kids at the end of the day who, you know if they eat the wrong thing on a certain day, or they wake up and, you know, stayed up too late playing Fortnite the night before, you know, those little variables that impact if a kid is, you know, goes four for 13 one night, or if he goes, you know, 10 for 18, you know, there's just, when you're at that level and you play that many games, you, you, start to nitpick. You over you overanalyze what a kid does. And I think that's where some of the criticism came from this summer with DJ and why everybody kind of wanted to be the first to drop him because he had been number one for so long and you just had to overcomplicate things. And I think that's what Kentucky thought. Talking to people on, on Kentucky side, they said, we saw this kid go for 40 in the most high profile environment in a you know cutthroat event where he was going up against the best competition in high school basketball we saw him go for 40 and and go for the other team's jugular i mean he is a dog at heart and he said and they you know when every time i talk to him it's 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 a similar narrative to that it's like we have seen this kid play you know check every box that we have needed from him yes is he gonna you know play efficient basketball every time he touches the floor no because he's human he's a kid who plays in a lot of events he goes plays you you know USA basketball overseas in Spain then he comes back and you know team mini camp in in Colorado Springs and then he goes and plays all the camp setting you know events the MBPA top 100 camp the you know Pango's all American all of those little events around the country on top of the normal high school gauntlet on top of the EYBL circuit which is the best of the best uh, at at that level he plays a ton of basketball and we've seen a, a massive sample size that overanalyzing becomes a thing. And I think when you take a step back and realize just what he brings to the table, I think that's why Kentucky just understand, uh, understands just how much of a safe bet he is. He's a safe bet college basketball, he will be successful at Kentucky.
2: And and I think there's a couple of things too, that we can factor in here. If this were just, and this is why I think coming to a place like Kentucky helps and and this can be overused a ton. Like how many times do we say, Oh, you come to Kentucky, you play with the best. It doesn't expose you as much. It kind of covers up some things where you kind of move to the forefront because of the talent you play with. That's that's the case with, in this one. If you throw him into a program where it's all DJ, 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 I don't think DJ has a ton of success. But you put him with a Rob Dillingham. You put him with a Justin Edwards. You put him with all these other pieces in this class and whoever's going to be returning. And I think that it sets him up to do those things that are elite for his game. And we know that the athleticism, like he's not the most athletic player. He's not the most explosive guy at the rim through length. We do know he needs to add some size and some strength yep. to his game. But the other areas is what makes him so good. And it's the the speed. It's the the pace that he plays with with the ball in his hands is what's the most impressive, I think.
1: Yep. He plays at
2: his he plays at his own pace and nobody dictates it but him.
1: Yeah, he, he, and that's kind of something I liked about Ty Ty Washington just how the the, the pace and and you know the, the that's it goes back to the fundamentals. He's he's just a fundamentally sound player that but yeah, footwork is impeccable, the uh you know his ability to get to his spots and you know I just got to see him, you know, can hit hit those shots once he gets to those spots. At the the rate that I know, I'm confident that he's able to hit, and and that's something that uh, where the nitpicking kind of came from the you know four for thirteen shooting nights kind of racked up a little bit there in the summer, and you kind of you get to that point where it's like, all right, I, I I see you get to get to that that second level. I see you get to your spots, and you you come off screens very well, and, and you're getting open looks, you're getting clean looks, and you're you're beating your guy off the dribble and in, in in exactly the way that you need to. I, I, I need to see that next that next level, and that's what I think. The everybody was kind of overanalyzing this summer, knowing that he's already hit those shots in various events. Uh, it's just about the consistency for me. I I need to see the consistency. It's a big senior year for him, um, but I'm not worried in the slightest. I think I think he's go- uh, he has exactly what it takes to be a star at at Kentucky.
2: I think so too. And you mentioned Kaysen in the opening. Like we had no concerns about Kaysen transitioning to college basketball and being successful. Mm -hmm. I don't have any concerns about DJ Wagner transitioning to Kentucky and being successful. And I just, I feel like that the environment at Kentucky, like I said, we overuse this a ton, but this is one of those cases where I I keep coming back to it. I'm not overusing. it. I think Kentucky sets him up to be what he is and to become that best version of himself. And I think you're going to see that 38% field goal percentage shooting from the UIBL I think it's going to be significantly higher than that because of the guys he's going to be playing with, and not all eyes are going to be on DJ, and DJ can kind of thrive in his role and, I mean, has an opportunity to be the first three-generation family in NBA history. Like, yes. this is a that's a basketball pedigree right there from that part of the country that Kentucky wins out, John Calipari wins out, and Kentucky gets a guy that is going to be thrown into a backcourt that has a ton of talented pieces that can beat you in a lot of different ways.
1: You, you mentioned, you know, his EYBL and, you know, the, the, what he brought to the table there. Um, part of, I think, his struggles came as a result of, I think, Aaron Bradshaw, his, again, continued teammate at, you know, a, a teammate at Camden, teammate, uh, teammate uh, on the EYBL circuit, and now who's going to be his teammate at Kentucky. Uh, how valuable do you think that is to have a player where we talk about the high level, you know, the, the huge sample size of, of these games and those two playing together in all of them? What does that mean? Continuing that chemistry and, and you know, the pick and roll and uh, the growth that we've seen from Aaron Bradshaw is kind of a stretch stretch big you know able to to you know extend out to the perimeter and, and knock down the mid-range and you know even the occasional three uh, what value is it having those two together especially
2: I think I think especially at a place like Kentucky it's very valuable to to kind of transition into that level of basketball with the guy that you're familiar with you played a lot of basketball with you you know inside and out, I think that that makes the transition easier, not just on DJ, but I think on Bradshaw as well. And I, I think it's the perfect thing. I mean, they, we're talking guys that have been on campus together. They've gone through this recruiting process together with not just Kentucky, but multiple schools on a list. Mm-hmm. And you, you know that guy. And when you can step on campus and you know the other guy that's that's lining up with you and, and going to, to battle with you every single day, I think it makes life easier for you not to mention the chemistry that you have and stuff on the floor together as well. And these are two guys that want, they want to win. They have aspirations of getting to the highest level of basketball. And right now they're playing, they're going to be playing at the highest level of college basketball and doing it together. And I think that that sets them up to have a ton of success. I really do that familiarity.
1: And you talk about the other talent in the backcourt. court uh, doesn't get much more talented than Rob Dillingham at the the guard spot there's a lot of talk about how they, those two in particular are going to play together because of how ball dominant they one both are.
2: Right? One basketball.
1: There's one basketball. Two very ball dominant guys. We've talked about that. D, you know, DJ is able to do a lot of stuff off ball, and I think we don't give enough credit to what Rob does off the ball as well. He's, you know, he he has thrived in mean. a in a catch and shoot role as well. He is better, you know, initiating and letting you know letting him rock out a little bit and you know show his erraticness um but i think it's a fair question to to ask how those two are going to fit together
2: and and that's the thing that i've I've thought about this and now that it's official we can actually really think about it and talk about it Mm -hmm. and to me this is a situation where if it's just rob i think that the that you could have you could have been set up to maybe fail a little bit and not really exceed the way and succeed the way you want to and i think the same thing with dj I think these are two dudes in a backcourt that need one another. I really do. And I think this isn't a case where you need Batman, you need Robin. Right. I think it's Batman, Batman. And that's going to be the hard thing for John Calipari. But if anyone's going to do it and make it work, it's Cal. And I just feel like those two pieces, and we know that Rob, I mean, we we talk about Antonio Reeves and how he can cook and be a a microwave. I mean, Rob Dillingham with the ball in his hands, Kentucky fans haven't seen anything yet the way that he can can do things and how shifty he is and you got DJ like I still think Kentucky's best player isn't one of those two though in this class uh, I still you, think it's Justin Edwards
1: so talk, talk about those two uh together especially because Justin you talk about Robin and uh, Batman and Batman I think Justin is very clearly a Robin when push comes to shove but the best Robin you could possibly find. And as complimentary of a piece as you could probably fit with anybody, I think he's just a winning basketball player, so versatile on both ends of the floor. That's why. He's a plug-and-play guy with anybody on the roster.
2: That's why I think that when I said he's their best, because I feel like his impact is going to be more significant than those two guys. Mm -hmm. Just because of the way that he can do things differently. His size, his length, He's smooth. He can defend. He can play both ends of the floor and he can play alongside either one of those guys or both of them at the same time. That's, I look at how many boxes do you check off? And I feel like that's what, and maybe it, maybe saying their best guy isn't the right term. Maybe it's their most effective guy because how many, if, if I check off 12 boxes over here and then one guy checks off five, give me the guy that checks off 12. That's, that's Justin. And I think that's exactly right. And maybe it's not the he's not the best at all those boxes, but when you can still check them, then you you know what you're getting. And I hope that makes sense to to our yeah. listeners. But I just I feel like that this is a class that if you just had one or two of these guys, I would I would be a little bit concerned. But when you put them all together and you blend it, I just think that this could be one of the more dynamic groups that John Calperi has brought in, especially in recent years. Because they all do these things well, and I can see it, if he gets it to work, this could be a really good team that I think could line up and be preseason number one a year from now.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of talk and fair criticism of this class as a whole. And just, you know, the the yeah. star talent in this class in particular isn't what we've seen even as recently as just 2022. You know, the, the, a top five kid in 2023 Is it necessarily, you know, wouldn't necessarily even be a top 10 kid in 2022 or, you know, some, some, some years before that, you you know, my, my argument with that and, you know, is it a good idea to go, um, you know, quantity over quality in this class and take five kids in a class that already is underwhelming as a whole, uh, is that a safe bet to build a roster uh of players of newcomers knowing the growing pains that come with you know being a young team and things like that my argument to that is everybody is recruiting from the same pool all of these other tool, uh, these other teams are recruiting from the same pool so if we're getting four top 10 recruits like Kentucky has officially yep. gotten with with uh you know with, with DJ now added to the fold as well with Reed being a top 25 ish top 30 kid uh in his own right now, can Kentucky, the, the other schools are competing with Kentucky's four in the top 10 with trying to get those other six and then, you know, 11, 12, well, 13, 14, 15 from, from there. So
2: it's when you're comparing classes, it's it's cool to do it, but it's not really like mean, what, what are we doing? Like, it's not really like we're comparing this class to. Oh, 2017 was a greater class, or 2018 was a greater class. Well, 2018 has no impact on what's going on right now in 2023. But right. it's it's what this is the group that's walking into college basketball, and it's not just Kentucky; it's other elite programs that are going to rely on guys from this class as well. If Kentucky's got the best of them, then you've done your job mm-hmm. from the talent pool that you had to recruit. Give Cal, we got to give Cal credit. He's went and got the guys that he needed to get to succeed. Now the interesting thing that you look at, and we can start doing this now, and it's early, is and, – and we'll we'll be doing this between now and March. Who blends with this group? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things to be asked. I mean, you know, we, we've always expected C.J. Frederick to be a multi-year get, guy at Kentucky. We know Antonio Reeves has another year at Kentucky if he wants to choose – if he uses that option. Like, there, there's multiple things that you can do, and that's where – Paying attention to what's developing and going on, Chris Livingston. I mean, there, there's bodies here. That's that a big one. Yes. Yeah. There, there's some pieces that you could see fit, but this is a really good foundation to have done in November. And now you can get jump started on what you're going to do in the future and start turning your attention to, you know, 24. But you can also kind of eye the portal if you need it over the next few months, if there's a surprise exit or if something happens. Like Put this way, John Calipari is sleeping very comfortably tonight because yeah. of the work that this staff has put in leading up to today.
1: Yeah, it's it's a best case scenario where you can start dreaming big. This is exactly what Cal was looking for. He wanted the super class. He wanted to get back to that number one spot um, before we kind of move into, you know, a couple more big picture things. Uh, Reed Shepard now. It can, you know, I don't think there was ever an expectation that he was going to be a year one, you know, instant impact type guy. But I think you can now pretty comfortably say um, that he's going to be a, a pretty safe role player off the bench. Maybe I, I don't know what his role is going to be in year one. I think that the, the staff is expecting a year two you know, pretty significant leap, just getting him yeah. used to, you know, the college, you know, strength and conditioning program and, uh, you know, just getting used to the the pace and speed of, of college basketball, the length, the size, the athleticism, all of that. Um, I, I think that is the, um, you know, th- there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period with him. So I think this news especially solidifies that, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a weight, you know, a waiting game with Reed. Well- do you, does he have a role on this upcoming, you know, on next year's roster? And, and how quickly do you think he's able to, you know, kind of fit in?
2: Here, here's the thing that I'll, I'll come back to with this one. And I feel like we, we fall victim to this a, a lot and, and kind of we overanalyze things, right? And especially a year from now, I, I still think that he could carve out a role because of a couple of things his IQ his ability to make shots, and his willingness, to, I think, to be a defender. Like, I think that those are three areas where he can carve out a role and get minutes, whether it's minutes in November next year or it's minutes in January in SEC play. I don't know. But he's also played against some elite talent on the circuit. Yep. And he performed well a lot of different times, especially in that national spotlight in a game against a Rob Dillingham. Like, you you saw what he could do. Um I don't know, because we also didn't think going into this year that Ugana Onyenso was going to have a role. We, we were true. kind of thinking red shirt, and then even more so going to the Bahamas, a Duthiero and where he was. I would assume that Reed Shepherd's probably was probably in a better spot walking into Kentucky than a was. Yeah. But then again, you got to look at the landscape of what's coming in with you, and I think that you're right. You get DJ, you get Justin, you get Rob, who returns you would look and think that Reed's probably the odd man out. But then mm-hmm. again, it's Kentucky. Can some of these guys get on campus like a Shea Alexander and just excel? That's a true. tower hero and just develop. And when you have the IQ side of it, and I still feel like when push comes to shove, when you're talking pure basketball IQ, Reed Shepard might have the highest of any of these guys in his class.
1: And is that not what our argument has been with with Reed from the beginning that the struggles that he had to emerge in a camp setting in when, you know, when the Adidas circuit opened up and we were like, read, go just play like be yourself, go get you a bucket, like go be that dog that we've seen you be in Kentucky. You know, like we've seen him go for 40 against high level competition in the state. Why isn't he going to do that against, you know, the, the other high level competition, but There were the criticism was that he hasn't he never took his game to the next level, not his level of production and the impact on winning that he was making while he was in. He was still playing high level team basketball that we said that's going to fit in immediately Kentucky. And if there is a role for him, it's going to be as that safe bet guy.
2: Reed is a guy that John Calipari, I think, is going to fall in love with because of his commitment to do whatever that one or two those two jobs are that get him on the floor that help the team win. Mm -hmm. I've never thought even, and and we've, and we're talking, I mean, I know the level of of basketball and stuff that's played. Like when we're talking of, you know, where he's at and 13th region stuff, it's a significant step up when you're talking the elite areas of of college basketball and high school basketball. But I never felt like there's been many times where I looked at Reed and thought he was trying to do too much. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that Reed was kind of playing within himself, and then we did have those moments where we saw Reed excel against elite-level competition and with elite-level competition. He's well-coached, he's fundamental, he's also athletic, can shoot the ball. I think that that plays, and I think he'll have an opportunity, but if he doesn't, I do see a significant second-year jump that that's a guy you want in your program that just is going to continue to get better and better.
1: Why? Why is it that CJ Frederick plays is going to play as much as he is, and why Cal continues? And every, you know, every conversation that we have with him when he when CJ comes up, where he goes, CJ CJ is a, a high a high basketball IQ guy. He's a high level impact piece that is going to play a lot of minutes on this team. Why is that? For the same reasons that we love Reed.
2: When you're talking about the game of basketball, a lot of things happen if you're in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And Reed to me is a guy that's going to be in the right spot nine out of ten times. Right, CJ Frederick's a guy that's going to be in the right spot nine out of ten times, whether that's offensively, defensively, he's always going to put himself in a position to have success on the floor. Now, there's players that coaches have to put you in those spots, but then there's players that understand how to put themselves in those spots, and I think that Reed is that type of player. I think Reed is going to know his limits. He's going to know what he can do and what he cannot do on the floor. And IQ plays, and I just feel like and this this isn't just an in-state kid that's coming in that's rated the number 130 player in the country. This is an in-state kid who is rated four-star, five-star status that has played with four-stars and five-stars on multiple circuits and done it well and took on the – look, before he committed and Pat Forty wrote that feature in Sports Illustrated, you're talking about a kid that had a ton of pressure. Yeah. And he's handled it well.
1: Extra- as well as you possibly could.
2: Mom, a former UK women's yeah. basketball star, dad, a Final Four MVP, national, championship at, national champion at Kentucky, and he's performed. That speaks volumes to me. That's a kid that's going to walk into Kentucky ready for Kentucky. Reed Shepard's walking into Kentucky, to me, more ready for the environment than anyone in this class is. Just given he knows the history and what it means to wear that blue and white uniform
1: he was in pikeville for the blue white game when we saw the most passionate fans there you know lining you know lining the the you know up in the crowd like that that he has seen since he was a child like a literal i mean toddler he has seen kentucky fans at their biggest and brightest and and at their most passionate and that is a leg up on the competition i i completely agree i think he has he is built for this moment he's built for a place like this and um I do think that it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment before we see him emerge as a potential star and you know will that that's a conversation for down the road can he be a star at Kentucky and, and just how big of a star but I would not be shocked if you know he steps in and at least has some semblance of a role impact guy off the bench you know that safe bet Dominique hawkins where you know you trust him to go come in and, and fill a very specific role very very well uh, mm-hmm. i think that's what what reed can do and, and the perfect complimentary piece for uh for this five-man class that john calipari has signed and yeah, i think that's you know the, the perfect little cherry on top of of the other you know elite high-level impact player star talents you need a guy like reed shepherd to fill out the
2: the, the, yeah. the that class that, that's that's the that's the guy you want filling out your class, and it's it's a consistent piece that you know you're you're going to get a winner, you're going to get a guy who understands the winning pedigree at mm-hmm. Kentucky, and you get a you get a winning family in your program who's been a part of your program's tradition on both sides for decades now. Like it's Reed Shepherd will be successful at Kentucky, whether that's year one year, two year, three or whenever it is. That I, I just think the kid is also built to succeed in that program.
1: Well, I I agree. Let's get out of here with this Um, five signees officially locked up, done deal. Uh, Is that it? Are you comfortable with Kentucky ending the class as is knowing who could potentially come back, knowing who could potentially leave from this current group? Uh, Are you comfortable with John Calipari wrapping a bow around this 2023 group and saying that's the one?
2: Yep. I'm um, I'm comfortable with it. You you let the remainder of this play out in your own roster. And then if you look at the portal in the spring. Yeah. And if you need an addition, you go get an addition. This was a program that added one portal piece, Antonio Reeves, to this roster. Yep. And it's yep. been a perfect fit. You're going to get a blend of guys returning. And if you need a guy, let's let's say I mean we we talk Ugana and stuff and, and Bradshaw together. And you can kind of see that front court coming into its own now in my mind, now that this yep. class is official. Uh, a guy like Chris Livingston could see being a two-year guy, plug in plug in there. Let's say you lose Jacob Toppin, Kaysen, let's just assume Oscar, gone. Mm-hmm. Then you look and say, okay, do I need a five? Do I need a four? Do I need a shooter? You, you can kind of go plug and play what you need. And this just gives John Calipari the benefit to jumpstart the next class and go all in there but also kind of look at his own roster and look, these these guys know, these coaches know, like, we're going to lose this kid in December. We're going to get this kid back. It's January. We know this. But you can kind of get a look around college basketball and think, okay, that's possibly a portal piece there. Where does coaching changes happen? Where do guys enter the portal now? Like Oscar Sheway went into the portal and committed to Kentucky at the second semester. Is that a case where you find a guy that's a clear cut, that's a guy we want in our program, and you go get – it it just gives it it's a time now where you I think Cal can be comfortable. He doesn't have to be though. Does that make sense? Like you're comfortable, but you're also eyeing your options and looking at what you could possibly add. I I just think that this is a really nice insurance policy knowing you've got your guys. The best Kentucky basketball classes are almost wrapped up on November signing day. It's, and this is another one.
1: It's a very good position for Cal be in. he gets his guy. He gets the PR. He gets uh, the perfect best case scenario with this recruiting class. He gets every one of his top targets in the class. Uh, just very, very well done. Great work for everybody in the coaching staff to get this, this, this group put together. It's a, it's a very, very good one. Uh, one that I'm very excited to see find their way to campus. Uh, next season, so Sean, let's get out of here. Uh, our that wraps up our official DJ Wagner signs with Kentucky podcast. Uh, where can fans find your
2: work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry.
1: Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email j Pilgrim at kentuckysportsradio That will be back, uh, I guess, after the Champions Classic. We'll we'll uh, hit that uh, once again, and uh, we'll have fun with it. We'll see you
0: then. Madness is here Say goodbye to Busted Brackets Because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament
1: com in Kansas, one 770 stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here, visit gamblinghelpline ma.org, or call 800 327 5050 twenty four seven support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-